0: It's great to have you here. It's great to be worshiping with you as we get launched into this new year, new ministry year, and we're in a sermon series here called Hear the Call. Hear the Call. And so last year we walked through Ephesians 1 through 3. It's called Who Am I? And uh, 1 through 3 was last year looking at the deep theology of the truth of what we have in our God. And uh, that was last year. This year is So what are we called to action on then? So what should it look like for us to step out on that? God's put a call together for us in every facet of our life. May we go after that and honor him in a way where he gets all the glory. And uh, so that's Ephesians 4, 5, and 6. And that's what we're walking through here in this series. Hear the call, Ephesians 4, 5, and 6. So we started out with, uh, hear the call to unity. And uh, hear the call to unity. And we had a huge uh, week there as we talked about the oneness of our God and the oneness of celebrating Him and then how we need to be one as a body. Hear the call to unity. And then the next week was uh, hear the call to holiness. Hear the call to holiness. and man, may we hear the right call there. Right? Uh, there's too many churches and too many places where all that gets taught is legalism. A list of rules, do's and don'ts. And then you just go after that. And so you've heard about it, now you go do it. We call that muscling it. And everybody say, that's a bad plan. plan. We do not go after muscling it. Our goal is to know God and worship Him, celebrate Him with all we've got. And as we do that, and as we make much of Him, He starts pouring into our lives. And we see a change happen. That's Him doing a work in us, this call to holiness. This week is sort of an extension of that. It's now a call to follow well. A call to follow well. That's what we're diving into here. call to follow well. Look with me, if you will, at Ephesians 5, starting in verse 1. Ephesians 5, starting in verse 1. And now the key word that we're going to see in these first 21 verses is the word walk. And We've talked about it several times over. The word walk, it means purpose and action all being put together. That you have purpose and you have a right action. That's your walk. In the midst. And you're going to see that word pop up several times over in this passage today. So, how do we follow well? Point number one, uh, walk in love. Walk in love. And uh, he starts out here in verse 1 Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. And uh, so, let's just walk through this. He starts out, Therefore, When we see the therefore, we say, what's the therefore, therefore? It's a connecting word. Never lose sight of it. When you're reading through the word, always read carefully. This is a connecting word. It's connecting back to Ephesians 4 and really to the whole chunk of four chapters up until now and he's like, if this is who our God is and if this is what we're called to, if putting off. And putting on, right, those are some words we heard last week of our actions, are what we're called to be about, and he's going to be doing a renewing, well, then we have some things we can be considering and going after. And so in the midst of that, consider. That's really what he's saying. By the way, just a little side note, I was reading this week, and and somebody made a really good note about put on and put off. They said, put on, just notice. The garments have already been created and they're available. Your only job is to get dressed. It has a lot to do with being renewed. He's doing this work in you and he's just calling you to participate and cooperate with him as he does it. And uh, because of that, man, we're called to something very clear. He says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Be imitators of God as beloved children. This has... uh, A huge tie to like watching a little kid with their parent, right? And you see a little son walking along, maybe holding dad's hand or walking next to him. And dad happens to be walking with his hands in his pockets a certain way. And you see the kid look over and kind of go, okay, I'll do that too. (laughs) Kind of walk like that. Dad sort of shuffles his feet. So he's shuffling his feet, right? And uh, you see it all the time where there's a mirroring of the parent and saying, I want to be like them until they turn 14, then something else happens, but we'll talk about that later, right? But it, really, there's this thing that goes on in parenting, and, and you end up watching them watch you, and the parents, that can be a little scary sometimes, right? You're like, don't do what I just did. That, that's not the way we're supposed to go about this, right? And, and we know they've got eyes, and they're actually thinking, boy, I really want to be like them. He's like, may that be with your spiritual father as well. Man, watch how God works and be an imitator. Look and see what he loves and love that. Look and see what he hates and hate that. Be ready to go after what God goes after. Be an imitator. It means look like him as beloved children. It says walk in love. Walk in love. Man, may our walk be earmarked by a passion and a care for the other party. Walk in love. If we walk in self-love, we're missing the point. We are to walk in love, man. We are to walk in love. Man, may we get that. And the church is to be a place of love. Let's be careful how we define it. That does not mean uh, utter tolerance of any sin. That's actually not loving. And we're going to talk more about that today in this passage. And we have to be very careful. And uh, caring for the best for them hear me? Love, wanting the best for them. And that's a huge deal, to walk in love. And he's like, hey, I just told you to be an imitator, so let's make sure you understand how God is like this. As Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Christ is our example of love, utter self-sacrifice. As he stood up, humbled himself, clothed himself with humanity, allowed himself to be fully God, yes, but fully man. And he walked in this world amongst mankind, his creation, and they rejected him. And they mocked him. And they beat him. And they took him to the cross. And here's the beauty. In the ridiculousness and blindness of man, Jesus Christ was providing the very thing we needed, sacrifice for us. His blood on the cross is our very hope, love, not what was best for him, what was best for us in utter sacrifice. Jesus Christ, he walked in love in the midst of his sacrifice. And Paul here is like, hey, just so you know, that's our battle cry, man. As Jesus Christ loves, so might I love Lord, help me to have eyes for others and what's best for them, sacrificing myself. Notice he says here, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. And Romans 12 speaks very clearly of you being a living sacrifice, a living sacrifice. I'm telling you, all too often, we hear this on Sunday morning and we're like, yeah, that's right, right? And then we get to Tuesday and somebody at work does something and we're like, oh, no, I'm bringing it on that guy. Like, that's it, man. This thing's going to be put to rest, right? And, and all of a sudden, we're not walking in love at all. And uh, may this not be for one hour as we consent and not ahead on Sunday morning. And all of God's people said, walk in love, man. This is a seven days a week, 24 hours a day, Christ showed off in your life. Be an imitator of him. May Christ be shown off in our lives as we love all right he says verse 3 but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you if we're going to walk with purpose if we're going to walk in our actions showing off our god these are things that can't be there he says sexual immorality what is that well that's when we're sleeping with someone having sex with someone outside of marriage all right so one man, one woman in marriage. That is biblical sexuality. And so sexual immorality is when we're not that way. And uh, man, please hear me. If you're here this morning and you're like, "Eh, this is something I'm wrestling with, and dude, it's time to put that to rest. It's time to be done. And I know the world doesn't teach that. They've got a different thing to say. And in fact, they say, hey, kick the tires on and see if there's compatibility. And Those things are all a joke that's about taking right now for self, and may we honor our king. And so here's my request, man. If you're dating, if you're engaged, make sure you're making a commitment to sexual purity for your God. May that sexual immorality not be named among you, all right? It's a very real call. It's a very sincere call. I hear you. We are human beings. We are built and designed by God with sexuality as a part of us please don't let it run amok. Please be careful with that and honor your king in the midst, all right? Sexual immorality. I hope I said that as tenderly as I possibly could. (laughs) For real, man. Let's just walk through this together where Christ is glorified, all right? Sexual immorality and all impurity. That's like Any real thought going through my mind that's just about me or self or taking for myself, it can be a sexual thought, but it can be any thought that's just kind of going off the railroad tracks. Or covetousness, that's where I look at somebody else's stuff and I'm like, that's so cool. I want his stuff, right? Covetousness, where we're not satisfied with our own blessings and we want somebody else's blessing. In fact, we're willing to do a lot of things to get it. Once covetousness starts taking over in your heart, watch out. Words you say, things you do will start to shock you because your real motivation is to get, to take for self. And he's like, don't let these things be named among you. They must not be named among you as is proper among the saints. And I just want to say this. Did you know that? If you've trusted in Christ as your personal Savior, hear me, you are called biblically a saint. You are a saint. You're like, dude, you you don't know how I've been acting this past week or two. And uh, biblically, if you've trusted Christ as Savior, hear me, saint. Every believer is a saint. There are some churches that choose to say only some are saints, and they declare out those unique names. Just so you know, that's actually not biblical. Every believer is a saint. Every believer is a what? And you are a saint if you've trusted Christ. What does that mean? It does not mean your actions are perfect. All right, everybody just say, I'm not perfect. And everybody around it knows that. Right? We're all aware of our imperfections. I'm not perfect, and we're all fully aware that none of us are perfect. right? And we aren't saints because of our work. We're saints because of Christ's work. And that is the love that he delivered to us. His righteousness, our faith hope in him, and we're declared something unthinkable, like saint. Can you imagine the first time that plan went out in heaven? And God the Father's like, all right, we're going to start calling them saints. And the angels are like, what? Right? Can you imagine? That is just, it is not based on our actions. It is based on Christ and his action. And he's called us to a title of saint, We're going to talk a little bit more about the word title in a little bit, but man, your title is everything, all right? And uh, live up to that. Let there be no filthiness. Now he's going into word talk. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking. Filthiness, language that comes off of you that is uh, just inappropriate, cursing, uh, swearing, whatever language you might use of um, talking about things that are not of God. It says, or foolish talk. That's where you are either talking and then thinking. You all get that's a bad plan, right? Talking and then thinking, that will usually get you into a, I didn't mean to say that, I'm sorry, uh, right? Talking and then thinking is not a good plan. But thinking first isn't the only plan. You've got to think rightly and then speak, right? So proper thought and then use your mouth. And I'm telling you, foolish talk is not thinking or not thinking properly, and then your mouth shoots off. Uh, Foolish talk, Uh, the brain is not engaged first properly. It says, nor crude joking, and I'm just going to tell you, there are whole books written on this one word, crude joking here. In the original language, it's a word that actually has a very broad meaning. Uh, It's a word that, I just wrote this down, Uh, it's a word that literally means witty banter, witty banter kind of a, an exchange. Uh, you're talking with someone and you're like, oh yeah? Well, kind of a back and forth like that. It means that at the broadest level. And uh, witty banter, and uh, most will say this, when it's used here in this context, it probably means a witty banter that is degraded to lewd joking. Okay? Witty banter that has gotten down into a Jamming the person next to you or bringing up some sex joke or whatever. It's gotten into some level of crudeness or self-defensiveness. Some will write books and say this means sarcasm. There are those in my family that will refuse to accept that. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know if it means that or not. I'm just going to tell you right now. There are some that say it. I'm going to let you know. Be careful with it. If sarcasm is your only language, you're probably hurting people along the way. If it's your only language language, you're probably hurting people along the way because sarcasm is always saying the opposite of what you mean. If you're trying to say they look good, you're like, hey, you look terrible today. Right? That's sarc- you're, you're saying what you don't mean. And as long as they can grasp the communication, I suppose there's probably an okayness in it, but be careful. There's a clarity to that communication that can really muddy the water fast. And uh, So maybe it means that. Definitely it means this. The one where you come up and you're like, hey, did you hear the one about the guy who? And then it gets really lewd. Stay off of those jokes and stay away from that humor. What we laugh about, in the end, we will worship. Be careful with that. And uh, where our humor goes is where our worship goes, man. And watch out for that along the way. Um, Doesn't mean Christians can't laugh and have fun. And all of God's people said, Man, we laugh and have a lot of fun even in here on a Sunday morning, and we're going to make much of our God along the way. But let's make sure we laugh about the things that are appropriate, all right? And uh, okay, he says here, um, he doesn't want to have these different things named among you, right? Not filthiness or foolish talk or crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. Our mouths need to be spinning out a, God, thank you, you're awesome, and uh, praise, thanks, appreciation, compliment, build-up, encouragement—those are huge things for a believer. And being able to have that as a part of your language, Lord, thank you. Or how about this one, Hun, thank you. Thank you for making the meal. Thank you for cleaning up. Thank you for thank you, making sure Thanksgiving is a part of your language and appreciating what is going well. That's a huge deal, as well. And uh, Make sure our mouths are not running off the wrong direction, but instead they're running to praise. For you may be sure of this. Now, these next words, I'm just going to say, we're going to walk through this, and I want to be super careful with this verse. It says, first of all, for you may be sure of this. Just so you know, what it says in the original language is something a little weird. It says, for you know, knowing. That's what it actually says. For you know knowing. It put two words, "no" together. It's being emphatic about it, but in fact, it used two different words for "no." So it's actually saying, for you have the facts and you have the experience. That's really what's being said in this. Now, that's rightly translated across to be, be sure of this, right? Because you have the facts on it and you have the experience on it. You can absolutely be sure. And so both fact and experience coming together, here's some things we need to be aware of. And then he says, I'm just going to read the whole thing and we'll go back and work it, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Bam. And this is a heavy verse and we better make sure we understand it. And there are some who read this and they say, see, so as soon as you do any sin, you lose your salvation, you are hell bound. And uh, be careful, I don't see the statement in here about lose salvation and the other stuff. Those are innuendos. And so what is it actually saying? What's actually going on with this verse where it talks about some sins and then no salvation for them, no inheritance in the kingdom of God? Well, what's it talking about? Well, I can tell you this in the original language, and it's super important we go there. It says, um, first of all, says, who is sexually immoral? That's what it says in the ESV here, right? Who is sexually immoral? Just so you know, what it really says, what it actually says in the original language is the the sexual immoral. It's a title. The sexual immoral. The one carrying this title has a problem. And in fact, we'll move on to the next one. The one impure carrying that title. The one with the title covetous. The one with the title idolater. There's a problem here. And they're carrying the title of their sin. And so here's what we need to understand. When we come to trust Christ as Savior, you hearing me? When we come to trust Christ as Savior, Lord, I believe you are God Almighty. I believe you are risen from the dead. I confess you as my Lord. The moment we're doing that, we are saved. Hear me. Our title becomes saint. Our title becomes child of God, saint, and that is what you are known by. You are now not known by your works, you are known by your Savior. And all of God's people said, dude, we better get that clear. We are not known by our works, we are known by our Savior when we trust in him. That is our every hope. So now he comes here and he says, so for the one who has this title, known by his works, So this person is not saved and participating in these activities. Know this, there is huge penalty. It says there is a problem, there is no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God for them. Let's just say this the opposite way. So if it was just that you were sexually immoral or covetous or impure or whatever it might be, if you were that, and that costs you salvation, then how do you get it back? By not doing it? So the works are saving me? Everybody say that's not the plan. The works do not save, and the works do not lose it. Jesus Christ and where you're at with him. And if you don't know Christ, and if you don't know him as your Lord and Savior, that's the problem. And you will now be known by your works, And your works will come up short, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. These people are being known by their works, and that's a problem, all right? And that's what we have going on here. I think that's the best way to understand this verse. Paul is very clearly calling out people with a title, and their title does not include saint. And, uh, man, I hope that makes it a little more clear as we wrestle with the verse. Notice it says, they have no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. They have no, has no, it's present tense, This is a present tense statement about a future thing coming. And man, when you are saved and as a saint, as a child of God declared, you are present tense holding on to inheritance that you will be able to redeem someday. Praise be to God. That's huge. And a present tense ownership of this inheritance. Think of it this way. Princess Diana. And uh, she uh, was brought into the position... And uh, she had ways about her with her language and her style that were a little more uh, crude than what the um, king and queen and all that would have appreciated along the way. They had rules about these things, right? And so statements were made to her. That's not how a princess acts. When she acted that way, they did not say, give us back the crown, you're not a princess. They were saying, that's not how a princess acts, let's bring it up a notch. She was called to her title and certain behaviors that aligned with it to reflect it. Dude, we have title, saint, child of God. We are his. And with that title comes utter salvation and security. There is therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. We carry the title, saved one. Praise be to God, amen? Amen. And man, I'm telling you, from that position, we have utter security. And without Christ, there is no security. And please hear me very real on that today. There is no security without Jesus Christ as Savior, and that's a huge problem. And uh, hopefully that makes some sense here. Let's just say it in one simple phrase. We are known by our title. Just say it with me. We are known by our title. Say it louder, say it bigger. We are known by our title. Carry the title, saved one, saint, child of God. Don't be known by your sin, all right? That's it. Verse six, let no one deceive you with empty words for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Let no one deceive you with empty words. Come on, man, what's the big deal? Just come do it with me. It can't hurt that much. And come on, man, let's just, right? Empty words, these ridiculous challenges for you to ignore what you know is right before your God. Honor your king who went to the cross for you. Don't listen to the empty words of this world. He says, just know this, there is a punishment coming for the sons of disobedience, the ones who want to do their own action and be known by their own works and not know the Savior and Lord. He says in verse seven, therefore, do not become partners with them. Man, step away from it. I love the way 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11 reads. It says, or do you not know, that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived. And then he goes through a list. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. As such were some of you. Are you hearing it? As such were some of you. When we are known by our title, saved saint, we are now not known by our sin. Praise be to God. All right? And, uh, okay, so, if you go to the Louvre, this museum in Paris, France, right, very well known, and uh, huge artistry there, and uh, it's, uh, it's really a blast to walk through. It's amazing the number of famous pieces of artwork that are there, and uh, the Louvre is also famous for something else. Because of all these great works of art, they decided back in 1793, To allow these famous artists, artists there today now, things like Delacroix and Michelangelo, Rubens, Da Vinci, like huge names, that in 1793 they started this plan let's let anybody come in who wants to on certain days, certain times, and try to paint paintings that look like the masters. Copy off of them, use them, and see if you can't learn to do lighting the way Rembrandt did. See if you can't do a shaping of a statue the way something Michelangelo did and learn from what the masters have done as you mimic, as you copy, as you go along the way. They started that back in 1793. They're still doing that at times within the Louvre where you get to go in and practice your wares against the likes of Rembrandt. Can you imagine? I wouldn't want my painting anywhere around there, but uh, you know, they're saying, work on it. You'll be amazed how it improves. Now look at verse 1. Be imitators of your God. And that's a biblical plan of sorts. And, and what they're saying wasn't a bad idea. And our call is to be students of our king. The best worship starts with you watching him work and being in awe of him. And then say, Lord, may I be like you in this world. Be imitators of your God. May he blow you away with who he is. Let him show you his character. Let him show you his passion. Let him show you his power. And then in the midst of that, as you thank him and praise him and confess before him, may you step out saying, Lord, may you be glorified in my life. All right? We're called to be imitators. Walk in love. Because Christ loved us and gave himself for us. Second, Walk as children of light. Walk as children of light. He says, uh, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. You heard the song at the offertory today. And Jesus Christ, he is the light of the world. And as he comes into this world as the light of the world, and he beams forth who he is, we get a blessing. But it's more than just in this world. We actually get to have him in us. And the Holy Spirit taking up residence and God Almighty changing us and the light of the world in us. We're told in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 that we get to be jars of clay. You heard Aaron quoting it off this morning, part of it. And we get to be jars of clay and we get to have the light of the world shining through us. He's like, just so you know, you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk in. As children of light, walk as children of light. Man, may you grasp the one who is light. And may you be able to worship him with all you've got. And may that change what you value and what you go after. Each step you go after, honoring your king, who is the light in this world. It says, walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. All that is good and right and true. And if you're wondering what it looks like to walk in the light, make sure those three words are your acid test good and right and true. Just say it with me. What are the three words? Good and right and true. And that's it, that's all you're going after. I want to know my God who is good and right and true. I want to know the one who is going to change this world from the inside out. I want to know the one who is going to redeem me when I am not worthy of it. I want to know the one who has gone to the cross for me. I want to live for my king, who is good and right and true. May I walk as a child of the light. That's our call, man. May we rock him as we live for him. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Just so you know, what is his character is what will be pleasing to him. What is not his character will not be pleasing to him, right? So when you're trying to discern what is pleasing to the Lord, it's going to be what he's all about. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. I just want you to know the world does not like this verse. Take no part in the fruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. The world's message. Come take part in our fruitful works of darkness, right? Come join me as I do this thing. And and really, just be tolerant, man. Let me be about what I'm about. It says, do not partake in the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather do what? What's it say there? Expose them yeah that's definitely not American expose them and uh, so really American is like look I'm not going to do your thing so I'm just going to let you do your thing is that what it says to do doesn't say that it says expose them so let's just talk a little bit about that be super careful this does not say so go rant and rave and be violent on them it doesn't say that do not, you do not expose darkness with darkness. You expose darkness with the light, right? And the light is who Jesus Christ is. You're gonna have a sense of love and mercy and grace and compassion, and you're gonna have a sense of what's best for them, and there's gonna be a massive amount of love in using light to expose. But man, we are not called to turn a blind eye or a deaf ear. We are called to call out what is wrong, even if our society is pushing against it with all they've got. We are called to take that stand. Dude, I got a question for you. Are you ready to be a church that's walking as children of light, taking a stand for what's right, and not condoning, even simply with a blind eye condoning, what is absolute sin? Are you ready for that? Man, we are getting called to something very quickly in our society where we are going to have to take stands and it will cost. I'm just telling you that exposing something to the light, revealing that that's not what God's about and so it's not what I'm about. I'm just telling you it will always get this response. I don't like you. It will get that response. It might even get this response. Now you've hurt my feelings. You've hurt my feelings because you've told me that you're not good with this. And uh, I know... I haven't gotten permission for this, so I'm just going to go with it anyway. <laughs> I usually get permission from my family to use something, and I've used it before, so I should be all right. <laughs> but, so when our daughter Alyssa was little, whenever she would get in trouble, we would say, Alyssa, honey, we can't go there, and she would turn it on us. She'd be like, uh, you hurt my feelings. She's like three years old, man. Getting this little three-year-old lawyer. And she's like... Yeah, you hurt my feelings. I don't think that's right. And, and we're like, I mean, honestly, the first time, I, I, I actually, I appreciated it. I was like, wow, nice thought. Not true at all, but nice thought. Then we had to get down on a knee in front of and have a little chat. Honey, if your feelings are hurt because something needs to change, then your feelings will need to be hurt. Feelings are not what's most important. And we're going to make sure we walk right before our God this does need to adjust. I love ya. It needs to change. That's a big deal, man. And this whole call to people's feelings is not the right call. It is a call to worship. And we do need to be aware and ready to take a stand. Get ready. This world is becoming less tolerable in the midst of worshiping your God. Your worship is putting, being put on charge. And we'll just have to see where God goes with it and over what days and what weeks and what years and what months and whatever. But I'm telling you, our job is going to need to be to take a stand for what is true and right, what is good and holy. And Lord, we're gonna be willing to speak against something if it needs to change in a careful, loving, tender way. And all of God's people said, man, I hope you hear the balance in that. And uh, please be cautious. If you're running off and ramrodding someone and trying to use harshness or forcefulness, I'm telling you, you're in the wrong spot. But if you lovingly want to see something change because it's wrong, there is something good in that. Be careful with how you do it and love them along the way. All right? It Says, walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and true, and good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing the Lord. Take no part in unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Can you feel it building? For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret, but when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. This is like the classic flashlight analogy, right? It's saying when you put the light on a dark area, you'll start to see things, and that's all we're asked to do is make sure the light is on the dark area and let God do the huge heavy lifting work. And um, there's a visibility that comes in the midst of this. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead. Christ will shine on you. Light shining into us, us shining into the world, and that's our call. Light shining into us, us shining into the world, and that's our call. This is a call to be a light into a dark world, All right. And um, we're coming up on uh, the fall here, and um, I love the fall. I love it because it gets a little cooler. I'm more of a cool weather fan unless I can be right near water, but I love the fall. Hunting comes up as well, and for those of you who've been around for a while, you know I love hunting, and and, uh, getting out this fall is going to be huge. Can't wait for it to get out in October, November, December, and get the hunt on I'm telling you, I love getting ready for it. Last year, I got ready. I got my whole backpack set in September, and I got this giant heavy beam flashlight out and because uh, I thought, well, I might need it in the middle of the dark to be able to track something that I've hit. You know, so I put that in my backpack ready to go with huge D batteries, and this thing's ready to rock. I mean, you turn, I can't remember the lumen power, but it was like, when you turn it on. You know what I mean? One of those. And I've got that in my backpack. And I'm like, this is going to be awesome. And... Uh, so I'm out in the middle of the woods, and it was probably uh, early November at this time. I can't remember what time it was, but I'm climbing out of the tree stand, and it's like dark, dark, okay? And I get to the bottom, and the moon is not up at all. There is no moon at this time, and it is like black, dark, okay? And I'm like, time to get the flashlight. So I reach in, and I pull out this bad boy, and I'm like, here we go. Not then. <laughs> Nothing. 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 Apparently what happened is something hit the switch and I actually had it on in my backpack at home for like weeks on end where I wasn't out with, I don't know, but the batteries ran dead. Nothing. So I have to put it back in my backpack and put it on in the dark and then I pull out my phone and I'm like, (laughs) all the way out, man. And I'm telling you, you're tripping over things that are right in front of you and the smaller your light, the less you can see hear me? The smaller your light, the less you can see, and the smaller the power, the less you can see. And I thought, well, let's just walk through it, amen. Three things you need for a flashlight to actually be functional, and we can even move it over to us in just a second. First, you're going to need a bulb that actually works, right? Broken bulb does not get it done. You need something capable of bearing light. Got to have the bulb. Uh, Another thing you need, you got to have the batteries. It's got to be properly empowered, Or this thing isn't going to work. I found that out the nice way. And the bulb and the batteries. And then you got to aim it in the right direction. Having a flashlight and holding it up in the air while you walk through the darkness is going to cause heartache and footache as you trip on everything, right? Aiming it where it needs to be. And the bulb and the batteries and the aim. And now let's apply it to us who are supposed to be the light in this world. Are you capable of bearing light? Do you know Jesus Christ as Savior? If you don't know him as Savior, there's no way to be a light. Don't worry about this part right now. If you don't know Jesus Christ as Savior, being a light is not your goal. Getting to know Christ as Savior is your goal. Lord, I need to learn to trust in you. Lord, it's not about me. I'm done trying to earn it. My works will never get there. You're in charge letting Christ be in charge of your life, capable of bearing. And we cannot be a light if we don't have that. And, uh, batteries, are you empowered? Are you walking with your God? Is the Holy Spirit empowering you? And we're gonna talk a lot more about it in the third point. Are you walking in a way where the Spirit is empowering you or is your light super, super small? The bulb and the batteries. And then the last one is, and where are you aiming at? Be careful about that, be gentle about that, but exposing is what we're called to, not ignoring or participating, okay? Simple question, are you saved? Are you trusting Christ as your savior, believing in him and confessing him as your Lord? Are you saved? Second, are you empowered? Are you walking with the Holy Spirit in a way where he is having an impact in your life, where you are a bright light in a dark world? And third, are you willing to aim that light where some may not want to have it aimed, that your God might be glorified? It's a huge call, man. Walk in love. Walk as children of light. Wrestle with how those two come together and please do it well, all right? Number three, number three. Walk as one who is wise. Walk as one who is wise. Here we go. It says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Literally, it says, uh, there where it says, look, it's in the original. Use your eyes, man. Be able to see this. Use your eyes and be careful that you walk as wise, not as unwise. Just a couple words I wrote down. If you're walking wisely, you're going to watch, you're going to evaluate, you're going to plan, and you're going to adjust. That's wise walk. You're going to watch, you're going to evaluate, you're going to plan, and you're going to adjust. If you're the type who makes one decision and that's the end of it and you pull your way through, there's going to be times where that'll turn out not wise because you haven't been able to adjust to what comes around you. So again, the words watch, evaluate, plan, and adjust. Man, make sure you are thinking your way through your day. And if you're in the spot where you're like, I don't like to think about things, I just do them, man. I just kind of, I feel free that way, and I just go after it. Um, yeah, that doesn't work, dude. That, that's not going to go down well for you over the long haul. And uh, please hear me on this. Wise means brain engaged first, okay? And get after that. Think it through. And uh, huge. He says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of the time. Because the days are evil. Don't waste your time partnering with what is evil or letting it go by you unexposed. The days are evil and the end is coming and Christ has a plan and may we be a light. And um, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do you understand that the definition of foolishness here is to not know the will of the Lord? Do not be foolish. Understand what the will of the Lord is. Right? The definition of foolish is to not know what God's trying to get done. The definition of foolish is to not know what God's will is in something, not be aware of his character and how he would express. That's a major miss. And so our plan needs to be, Lord, I want to know you so that I can imitate you in this world with your empowerment and your light can shine and you can do whatever work you're going to be about. May you be glorified. All right? It says, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. And uh, literally that word drunk there, it's like, don't be controlled by it. Don't have your observation skills kind of brought to a weaker level because of what you're taking in. Don't be drunk with wine. And uh, please hear me, the Bible doesn't say do not drink. The Bible says do not be drunk. Do not use that as an excuse to go to the drink and then end up drunk, right? (laughs) And so be careful, Let's not overcook the rule and go to the Bible says, do not drink. The Bible says, do not get drunk. I want you to know as a staff, we are not drinking. And there's a reason that I've asked that of our pastoral staff. And uh, it's because as we work with people wrestling with alcohol, we want to be able to come alongside of them and not cause them to trip. Okay? And that's a personal decision. It's It's not a rule in the scripture that says, thou shalt not. It's a choice in order to love those going through a struggle. That's where we are, all right? And uh, make your decision wisely on what you do with alcohol. But it says here what should happen instead. But be filled with the Spirit. But be filled with the Spirit. And uh, filled, literally controlled. Filled. This word is huge. Let's just talk about it for a second. It's got three parts to it. Filled. First, it is in the command form do this. It's the command be filled. Make sure this is happening. It's in the command form. Be filled. Second, it's in the passive form. Allow this to happen to you. Be filled. The Holy Spirit is filling. You're just allowing. It is in the passive form. Command and yet passive. Man, that's a wild combination. Do this. Allow it. It's super complex in the midst of trying to work through your daily life, but man, it's basic. It's command and yes, we allow him to do the work. And third, it is on the continuous, ongoing form. Be filled over and over and over and over again. It is not one and done. It is every day, Lord, may I be filled and ready to go that you might get the glory. It is a command. It is in the passive and it is continuous. This be filled and uh, Man, may we get how to go after him with all we've got. We've talked a lot about what it means to be filled. We talked about it in the series we did in January to March. And and if you want to go back through that, there's a ton of detail and information there. But I'll just summarize it as this. Picture it like a sailboat. And to be filled, your job is to get the sail set, to get that sail out. And the Holy Spirit will just fill that sail. So we raise the sail by encountering our God and observing who he is. We raise the sail. We set it into position by our spending time in worship, praising, thanking, confessing. And then he fills. And at that point, we step out. Led by the Spirit now, we engage. Okay? That is absolutely important. We raise the sail. We set the sail. Now we're filled. How do we do it? Encounter, exalt, engage. Encounter. I am raising the sail. I'm getting to know my God better. Exalt. I'm starting to get that sail set hard and ready to take wind. The Holy Spirit fills as I'm confessing sin, getting right before him and praising and thanking him. He starts doing an amazing work. And all of a sudden, you are filled. Please note this. Filled. It does not take 7 years, 10 years, 20 years. I really believed that when I was growing up, that filled was something that happens over a long period of time. If you can keep it right, it just keeps... And that's not it. In the moment, filled. The moment I've got sin out of the way, God in the center, my eyes are fixed on Him, and I'm ready to rock for Him, filled. Instantaneous and ready to go. Are you ready to be filled? That was a terrible answer. Ready? Are you ready to be filled? Yes. Man, let's be filled. Let's make sure that we raise the sail, set the sail, and we're filled by him. We're encountering our living God. We're stunned with his greatness. We're worshiping him and praising him and thanking him. We're confessing what needs to go. Dude, get that sin done. And filled is what you get with the Holy Spirit power. It's God doing something in you you may have never experienced before. Filled. Spirit doing a work in us. When he says, be renewed, this has to happen, man. We are more renewed the more we're in that filled state. God doing a work. It's Holy Spirit changing me. Be filled. And look at the end result. He gives us some I and G words. Addressing one another, like encouraging them with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart. A natural response of one filled is to want to Sing. Giving thanks always for everything, the God and the Father. Filled is thankful and in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then submitting to one another out of reverence. There will be a humility to the one filled. Pride storming out of them is one not filled. Fact. May we be filled. And all of God's people said, man, we have a call to holiness and it cannot be done if we just try to muscle it please don't hear all the words I said and just set them aside and go, I gotta try hard. Lord, may I be filled. Know your God, thank your God, confess before your God, and be filled. And all of God's people said, let's pray.